0: Hello friends, and welcome back to Mixology, the podcast where we discuss, dissect and discover mono and stereo differences on classic albums from the 60s. And today, we're doing one that I've been working up to for quite a while, and that is River Deep Mountain High by Ike and Tina Turner. Now, this album was originally issued in September of 1966. Exclusively in the UK and a few other countries as well, but not in the US. This was because the title cut as a single didn't fare very well in the charts over in the US, while it did far better in the UK. And I think Phil cancelled the US Phillies LP more out of spite than anything else, so certainly maybe it wasn't a commercial would be a good idea. Who knows? That's not important today. Of course, the album would be reissued in 1969, the whole world over, with a slightly revised track listing, and this is the one that you'll find most of the time today, especially if you're looking in the digital realm. This was where I started my journey. I thought, right, I'll take the stereo mix from the CD that generally goes around the 1969 track list, get a mono rip of the mono LP, and I'll just compare them. However, uh, things were a little more interesting, and to dig into the sources I've had to use today, we're gonna to be having a chat to Andy Pemrich, a patron and good friend, who's helped me with all the sources for today. Certainly I picked up a couple along the way, but with his help, I've been able to get a really broad look at not only the stock copies, but promo copies and everything in between. So it's gonna be a really interesting journey. Before we have a little chat to Andy about that, though, I've of course got to give a huge shout out to all my patrons whose support really does help keep the show going. I've started a little bit of a new thing over at the Patreon as well. I wanted to move into more of a sort of regular blog post thing. I spoke about updates being on the freed here before, but I wanted to expand that into not only a look at upcoming mixology projects in the works, but also things I've been listening to a lot recently, and you know what I've been finding and looking for in the shops and online and just kind of record hunting as such and just other bits and pieces that come to mind as well and to open up the floor to you to suggest things, chat about that and all that good stuff. This can be found for all tiers including the free tier over at the Back to Mono radio Patreon at patreon.com forward slash backtomono but of course the other tiers still have the user exclusive content. Of course the main one being, for listeners of this show, Mixology on 45, where we take a look at non-LP cuts from the 60s. Over the last couple of weeks we've looked at a little Tom Jones double A-side bill of It's Not Unusual with What's New Pussycat, which actually was more interesting than one would expect. And this Sunday we're going to be looking at the one track that was added to the 1969 LP of River Deep Mountain High, and there's of course the A-side I'll Never Need More Than This which actually had some nice differences in the mixing, and certainly there's some interesting ones that we'll dig into as we go along. But if you want to hear that, and so much more, there are so many episodes of Mixology on 45 now, I'm astounded at myself, to be honest. You can find all that over at patreon.com forward slash backtomono. And of course, I gotta give a huge shout out to our newest patron, Randy Marcus. So Randy, thanks for coming on board. But with all that out of the way, Let's hop on over to have a little chat with Andy about the journey we went on to acquire the sources for today's episode and rule out anything else. So let's have a little jump over, shall we?
1: One more
0: time. I need a, uh, Earl, I need a bass drum hit
1: there.
2: Hello, Andy. Thanks very much for coming on thanks for having me this is really going to be interesting i think
0: yeah i mean it made sense to bring you on because you were so instrumental in not only sort of spurring this episode on kind of accidentally but in just gathering up well everything that we're using today because when we started it it wasn't the big project i envisioned it to be but it certainly turned out to be that didn't it
2: absolutely absolutely Uh, very unintentional but uh it's kind of how my brain works that uh you know it gets stuck in and uh then you can't really unstick yourself until you know that it's done
0: Yeah, very much it seems so i mean it starts very simple because obviously i remember you messaging me this was before you moved house which obviously put Mm -hmm. a slight Mm -hmm. delay on the initial starting anyway but that was fine uh you had an original london uk mono and stereo copy and i remember being uncertain whether it would be true mono because of (laughs) other london pressings of american albums around the time and that was kind of where we wanted to dig in to begin with just to know whether there was an actual mono mix of the lp
2: i think in in my mind it was the other way around it was wondering if there was an actual stereo mix considering phil spector at the helm and knowing that the cancelled American release uh, was uh, initially intended to be a, a mono at the very least, because you know, all the information that uh, we have out there, photographs and things, single releases uh, from that American run were mono catalogs.
0: I suppose that, yeah, that makes sense. It's I suppose that's a difference between someone in America coming at it with that sort of knowledge and me being over here with all manner of fold downs surrounding Mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. coming at it as the skeptic so i suppose it was almost wondering because i knew there was a stereo mix because obviously the stereo circulates today although Mm -hmm. obviously as we later found out that wasn't the same stereo mix that we were looking into at the time but we'll get to that in a minute so eventually you managed to rip these for me and send them over which is you Mm -hmm. know pretty standard fare And this is where things start to get interesting because I managed to identify that it was dedicated mono thanks to a few tambourine redubs on the Ike tracks more than anything. Mm -hmm. But then it got interesting, didn't it? Because then I realised that the mixes on the CD rip that I was using for the stereo mixes that matched up to the 1966 album, the mixes were actually different. It was clear whether it was longer fades or other bits and pieces that something else was going on here.
2: Yeah, almost almost immediately we started really digging into uh, known territory and getting into the weeds of it. Every every turn brought up something different.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely interesting, and it's more the fact that this isn't something that ever seems to have been mentioned online. I know no. I couldn't find anything, and I'm assuming you can either. No,
2: in fact, there was things like the Hoffman forums where where Steve himself said that they're was only one nix and clearly uh i mean someone to be respected for sure but uh he uh hadn't apparently been aware of the finer details of, of what had gone on with the process of planning canceling circulating internationally and then reissuing the album uh and no no shade to him you know what what a mess yeah i mean
0: Why would you have dug into it, to be honest, especially as if you're just listening to the album, aside from some of the fades which do make it a bit more obvious, the Ike produced tracks generally match up. There's some Mm -hmm. slight differences, which obviously I'll get into in the main episode. But aside from that, it's the Spectre tracks that really give it away because the panning changes up and there's a few different processing ideas going on. But obviously then you dug into getting yourself a copy of the 69 LP just to make sure that matched up with the digital version going around. It wasn't just a digital remix down the line. Mm -hmm. And of course that matched up to that. So that was fine. But then there was the issue of trying to find basically the best source for every mix. And I know I eventually managed to... It seemed to be a random thread on the Hoffman forum. Someone mentioned that they had a CD that matched the UK track listing from 2018. It was a Japanese CD. Yes. And I managed to, I was intrigued. So I was like, oh, I asked some questions about the Sonics of it. And I can't remember specifically, but there was something that seemed to allude to it matching the mix of the 1966 version. I mean, naturally, the fact that it has the same track listing leans into that. But I go and send me a 30 second sample of it. And it did indeed, which was very exciting because it meant, we could actually have a digital source for that mix but obviously then sourcing that was well for me going to be more of a challenge because there weren't any issues here but you managed to sort that out on your
2: end yes i went through yahoo auctions japan via uh, zen market and uh, managed to acquire a copy of that along with the prior japanese cd which was a transfer of the 1969 Stereo Tape. So Japan actually got these beautiful mini LP releases in proper packaging with reproductions of the inner sleeves and everything of the 1966 Stereo UK in 2018 and prior to that in 2012, the uh, American 1969 Stereo LP. So then they're brilliant, the sound quality is uh, they were transferred at least the uh, the British track listing version was transferred uh, in 2018 specifically for this issue by uh, an engineer at uh, Universal Music in the UK from the master tape. So it's really beyond getting your hands on on that actual tape. This is as good as it gets.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a great sound source. And Mm -hmm. when I was fixing up your rip, of the mono, just to make it as comparable as possible EQ-wise, I used this as the reference for the EQ matching between the two. Um, So that's what you'll be hearing today for those of you listening to this at the time. But things didn't end here, did they? Because while we felt like we had all the mixes, there was a little bit more of a game at play because obviously as you mentioned earlier there's the aborted 1966 US LP, and you did mm-hmm. some more digging into that so talk about your little journey there
2: <laughs> tried so very hard uh you know via uh messaging purported owners on discogs and, and trying to strike up a conversation and, and possibly get maybe uh, uh, some short samples to do some basic comparisons most didn't respond and the two that did uh, flatly refused to, to offer any support. Um, One convinced somehow that, uh, you know, I was trying to, you know, scam him in some way. (laughs) Not sure how requesting 30 seconds of, of audio uh, was uh, going to put him out, but uh, no, nobody, uh, nobody was able or willing to, uh, to get us a sample of, of the original us 66 disc and then we do have the american singles as, as a reference in comparison to what was released um internationally
0: yeah i did some comparisons with actually found a nice clean copy of the actual title cat 45 over here mm-hmm. um and interesting and i dig into that in the episode the single over here sonically doesn't match up to the lp mono mix and i'll dig into that more when we get to the track itself
2: again looking for the the hand that holds and uh and it just pushes us in another direction (laughs) oh beautiful oh no we've got it nope 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 this is something entirely different again
0: yeah i mean it but that that comparison between the uk of that Single and the U.S. is probably yeah. It, I would imagine that the U.S. Philly's cutting engineers would be going for a similar sound, but ultimately the chance of it being a unique mix in any way is very unlikely. But as it t- seems to be going through the mixes here, a little bit of EQ to fill mix down creates a whole different sounding beast, <laughs> which is
2: yes,
0: yes. something else entirely.
2: It's, it's something that a lot of uh, I think a lot of listeners in general uh, because it's a very technical process is uh, mastering really affects the sound of a recording that's something that i've learned from from mastering engineer friends of mine is uh, you can really change the, the texture of a recording at that very final stage even though everything is fully mixed adding uh, certain types of eq moves will take the blandest record and liven liven it up entirely or completely crush and ruin a beautiful recording oh yeah i
0: mean Mm -hmm. we've experienced both in many times the other interest well i believe the next one but not the final one that we kind of dug into was the interest in, you discovered that there was a, well, it's on Discogs, but there was a mono mm-hmm. promo for the 1969 a mm-hmm. and reissue, yeah, and curiosity couldn't help. I mean, I was interested, but curiosity couldn't help you, I suppose.
2: No, no, uh, I'd been, been getting into late 68, early 69 US mono promos uh, for the last couple of years. Out of sheer curiosity, uh, and I'm going to put you partially to blame, um, <laughs> but uh, it does seem that uh, some labels and possibly some artists or producers were still focused on making that great radio record, and and knowing that what they're putting together to put on the radio is going to sell the artist or sell that album or sell that single, so they were still doing dedicated mono mixing and it seems like a uh, and m kind of seems to be one of those that they were still doing a whole album mono master into into 60 late 68 here and possibly into 69 so i figured i would give it a shot
0: yeah i mean you had to order it from europe in the end didn't you which was bizarre but greece.
2: it came it came from a seller in greece That's,
0: yeah, not what you expect. No. (laughs) We were highly expecting it to be a fold because of the time period in which it was released, Mm -hmm. 1969. But the first thing I did when you sent me the rip of it was double check
2: the... You went straight for the tambourine. Yep, I remember that.
0: And boom, it was there. So we had a good start because there's two things to note here is obviously that it shows that they were using the mono mix downs from 66 as it matched up. But also the EQ that A&M seem to be using around this time matches up with um, some of the Phillies style that you were, we were seeing early, mm-hmm. earlier on. Because, I mean, as you noted, the A&M single of Riverdeep Mountain High literally uses the same plates as mm-hmm. the original 66 Phillies single.
2: The only difference is the label. <laughs> it's, yes, it's exactly. Literally the same metalwork off, off the shelf. Which
0: is, I mean, which is pretty cool. But so sonically it's a good idea potentially of what that Phillies promo could sound like but what was interesting obviously about this was it was a slightly modified track list so they'd added in I'll never need more than this so they couldn't just use the metalwork for the promo from the Phillies one but I'll never need more than this and side 2 is still the dedicated mono but it's not the same as the mono single mix well technically it is but I dig into that more on the mixology on 45s that will follow up this episode, but it shows they were still compiling the mono mixes for Side 2 as well, despite having to recompile it. And curiously, the actual title cut seemed to be, it ran slower than the other versions I had of the track. I found this interesting mainly because the digital version of the mono single mix I had for Riverdeep Mountain High is it runs slower than all other presentations, and I believe this is probably the recorded speed, and then it was very speeded up a tiny bit just mm-hmm. to prevent it dragging a little bit. And I reckon because on the UK LP it sounds really muddy, not terribly so, and it, it if but you it turn it right up it sounds yeah. great. Mm-hmm. But it's compared to the single, it's definitely lacking a lot of the brightness, which made me think it was a different mix originally, and I now believe that it is the same mix, just with a vastly different EQ but
2: I'm thinking that it actually may be generation loss on a Duke tape.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very possible. So I reckon they re spliced on the single here to mm-hmm. give it a, a fresher sound. And in the Agreed. process, didn't verispeed it to the slightly more up tempo single. And it is noticeable, especially yeah. if you've heard it a lot, but it does sound great. It's got bright, punchy crisp sound to it. And certainly it's, better than the version you'd get on the UK 66 mono LP mm-hmm, but it showed mm-hmm. that there was there was definitely worth in this promo which was quite exciting
2: yeah it uh, didn't feel so much like money into the wind at that point <laughs> <laughs> if anything
0: it can only increase the value of what you got there so it's
2: a good thing well, l- luckily yeah otherwise I would have had to make sure I got it on the market before this episode hit
0: the final step I suppose well actually there were two final steps so there's a step then the final step I suppose
2: penultimate moment
0: yes i figured for the mono mixes i thought ah while we're having to use vinyl sources there were mono mixes on the back to mono box set how about i use those despite Mm -hmm. the eq issues that box has and i came Mm, to the conclusion Mm. in the end that um the so what tracks are on there river deep mountain high a love Mm. like yours I'll never need more than this, and Save the Last Dance. So obviously, I'll never need more, tracks. obviously. Those are all the yeah, tracks wh-
2: from the single releases.
0: Which makes sense for the box mm-hmm. set. Um, so obviously I'll never need more. I'd kind of push to one side a little bit. But the other three tracks, none of them matched up to the mono LP of, well, either version, either being, well, I believe River Deep Mountain High to be a fold of the 1969 stereo, Mm. And A Love Like Yours is definitely an alternate mix. And Save the Last Dance for Me also seems to be an alternate mix with a different ending to it, which is just bizarre. Yeah. Um, implying that the ending's spliced on to the final master that you hear everywhere else. But that, again, we'll dig into as we go through. But
2: I think that may have been a case of bad tape research. I think that that may have been a, a, a rejected edit at some point and that's what they found when they were compiling the set and went oh this sounds right without knowing the fine details
0: yeah that i mean that makes sense to me i mean interesting i'll never need more uses the 1969 mono mix but mm-hmm. fades it quite a bit earlier i assume just being lazy Space to seven. a degree i don't i don't i yeah actually it's very very possible i haven't looked mm-hmm. into that specifically but yeah but it just shows what a mishmash of mixes are present on that box set. I know previously I've worked out that A Fine Fine Boy by Darlene Love on that set definitely is either a remix or at least has a remix spliced into the bridge because Ooh. there's echo on Darlene's vocal in the bridge on the original single. I've got a US promo, but every digital version, which is interesting, not just the version of the box set, has that as a bone
2: dry vocal. Um, they probably all come from that 91 source
0: yeah so there's, there's there's definitely I've definitely seen it cited for tape damage on that one but mm. definitely there's a future project to potentially dig into with that box set and work out what's what so we'll see on that but for now it just shows that we had more to dig into which was, which was fun but at least that was an easy source and didn't require buying anything else but you had one more curiosity item to dig into
2: Oh, sure. Uh, so we'd been uh, talking back and forth about Tom Northcott, and it got me into uh, a memory of Ben Morrison. So without taking too many steps, there was a mixed mix up on Moondance that uh, put an incorrect uh, earlier mix of Into the Mystic onto some U.S. copies. And uh, it was... Corrected and replaced. And warners when they do changes like that, not only do the um, the disk runouts have uh, an RE and a number one, two, three, depending on how many changes they make, but it's right there on the labels. Which is bizarre and and helpful. Um, But uh, I noted in looking at some copies of River Deep Mountain High that there are significantly different runouts on some early, not first, but early pressings marked as an RE1 and wasn't sure if that was hinting us towards another change that wasn't referenced anywhere. So went hunting, spent the money, and nothing?
0: It definitely had a slightly different EQ to the original. It definitely had, was a fresh mastering for sure. But mix-wise, it seemed to match. There was one or two fades that maybe were ever so slightly different. We're talking half a half a second. Mm. But overall, it's generally speaking, it's the same mix, but potentially there was just some slight EQ issues on certain players with the first one. It's hard to know without any ac- like reports from the time, but... It's definitely. It is definitely a new mastering. It is a recut of the album.
2: It. It was probably just a refresh. Maybe they got a negative response from. From something. It happens a lot. Led Zeppelin II is one of the most famous references. The cut yes. was too hot and it made cheap record players dance. So they recut it to make it. Uh, you know to actually soften it. So maybe they did this to liven it up.
0: Ultimately, it. It, it was one of those things It was, it was a little way to round it out. I mean, at the very least it wasn't a, um, a, a uncommon promo copy. Um, no, so, no, it was, it was very reasonable. It was much, yeah, much so, so, yeah. And, uh, hopefully that can, that can run along at some point for you as well. But I think outside of that, that, I mean, we did check a few singles as well, but on mm. both sides of the, uh, is it the Atlantic, they tend to say when it's, uh, In either country
2: well it depends on which where you're traveling this is true Uh, i think what was the total uh you have two singles there on london and i picked up uh the phillies oh three
0: so i've got the u.s phillies for the title cut Mm-hmm. Then I've got the London single for the title cut again. I've got the single for I'll Never Need More Than This. Again, that's kind of going to the separate pile, but we had to verify the B-side on that, which is Save the Last Dance for me. Yes. And also got uh, an A&M single of River Deep Mountain High backed with Oh Baby, Things Ain't What They Used To Be.
2: Um, and then I've got uh, I've got the Phillies' I'll Never Need More Than This, which has the, uh, the non-LP... Uh, B-side of the Cashbox Blues oh, yeah. and the a uh, and A Love Like Yours with Save the Last Dance
0: yes and obviously worth noting that obviously the uh, River Deep Mountain High singles have the non-LP track as well I'll keep you mm-hmm. happy um, which I'm sure will slip into the background of this episode at some point but of course just well, mono so it doesn't need actually covering in the typical sense but yeah, I mean, that was a stack of 45's and I believe, interesting if I'm remembering correctly when I checked it, the AM single of Riverdeep Mountain High used the 1966 stereo mix of the track, which was slightly bizarre, but um, one of those things not worth adding to a mix list, but worth noting just as far as a uh, mix used on a specific variant. So maybe it was done while they were still sort of warming the waters for the LP. I'm not exactly sure on the issuing time for that cuz there seems to be a
2: bunch of singles around then. You know, I would reckon that because of the licensing change from from London to AM in the UK for the album that A&M only had the stereo version whereas Very likely, our whereas our pressing plants had access to their back stock of plates and just like I said just pulled the original 66 cuts so you got stereo while we got mono
0: interesting yeah that makes sense and also yeah use the original mix while well before the um new stereo mix got sent over mm-hmm. that would make sense so we'll go with that that'll be our little story for that i believe it yeah but ultimately <laughs> we got we got a lot of material here um Oof. both in just Recuts and also unique mixes and just interesting, certain mixes turning up in unlikely places. It's a message. So I wasn't so expecting unexpected. for yeah. a uh, <laughs> for, for this sort of album. I mean, usually Spectre stuff. You're lucky if you get a stereo mix as well. So, um to unfortunately have...
2: this was this must have been to make up for that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> very possibly but certainly it opens the door to digging into more spec stuff in the future i know mm-hmm. there's a uk only i think no maybe there is a us one i think there is us one a stereo pressing of the uh the fabulous ronettes lp which yes. is, i think that's what it's, yeah yes um, there, there I, is
2: a, there is a stereo edition of that
0: yeah so it opens the door to that down the line and i don't think there's a second stereo mix of that but I'm not gonna say it, it there isn't just yet. Never um, say never. But certainly and I mean this LP is only five tracks if you are looking at the sixty-six one Spectre and it's already caused us a mess. The Ike tracks have been absolutely mm-hmm. fine. There's apart from the track cut from the sixty-nine LP, there's only three mixes of each of those. So
2: um it's just Spectre being Spectre. Mm, I actually just to be safe, I actually went back to some earlier Ike and Tina albums I had to make sure they weren't just copy paste of the previous songs and they are all full remakes i remember you saying
0: that which was mm-hmm. very reassuring and also saved me a headache so thank you for that mm-hmm. <laughs> a little random tidbit worth noting is that while it's credited as to who produced which track on the 66 lp the 69 a lp does not credit ike in any way for production um which is definitely a bit cheeky Um,
2: it's definitely phil
0: despite still saying produced by phil spectre so yeah definitely phil and his uh contract with a&m so that's fun but with that in mind we might as well just carry on into the main episode itself and start digging into the mixes including well starting with the title cut itself river deep mountain high but before i do i just gotta say thank you very much for all your help with this andy and thanks for coming on and having a little rundown of it it's been it's been fun nice little addition to the episode
2: thank you for having me it's my pleasure Can I hear the, the letter G, please? Is letter G where the riff starts. Second ending, let's go, second Gene, ending. Gene. Can you, have you? have you got a one stage softer mallet on the vibes you can use?
0: Boy, Tijuana Brass really turned him into a pro with those names, one stage, soft lighting, eight please, seven two, stick. So again, a huge thank you to Andy for all his help with the sources here. And with that in mind, as we go through today, I want to preface by saying that all tracks have a 1966 mono and stereo LP mix and a 1969 stereo LP mix, unless specified as we go through. And kicking off with the opening track really brings this into question. You see, of course, with Riverdeep Mountain High, we have the original mono single mix, the stereo LP mix 1966, and the 1969 stereo LP mix. For a long time, though, I assumed that the mono LP was a different mix to the single but we'll get into that in a second and similarly on the 1991 back to mono box set which i mentioned previously i assume that was a unique mix as well but we'll get into that as we go through kicking off though the first thing i want to note is that this digital presentation the mono single mix runs notably slower than all the others it may be the cd it's sourced from but as it sonically matched the mix on the uk 45 the best i've stuck to it all others used are almost identical in speed. That out of the way though, my initial thoughts were, as I said, that the mono LP mix was a fold. The vocal during the first break is far louder and the mix was mushy, but during the decay from the first chorus, Tina's voice dominates in both mono mixes on the baby, while in a fold of the 1966 stereo, it becomes buried. However, this seems perplexing. When A B the UKLP in the UK 45, it's clear the 45 is sharper, fuller, and more alert, especially in Tina's vocals. But when A being the two in a digital environment, it's hard to pick out any differences that aren't potentially just mastering. Though it's difficult to EQ match them to the point they are identical. Generally speaking, Tina's vocal feels more recessed on the LP, and the backing vocals disappear into the wall of sound, forming a layer rather than a bed for Tina. Perplexing isn't the word. My conclusion is that, most likely, this isn't in fact a unique mix, but a unique treatment of said mono mix. That said, we'll get to these moments momentarily, but we'll start with the aforementioned opening section, both in the intro and into the acapella section, as this is the good highlight of what makes every mix unique. Here, we will include the single and LP mono mixes, as this is the best moment to understand how they sonically differ. So, starting with the 66 mono, we hear everything in fine balance, and Tina has a solid amount of echo around her vocal. As noted, the LP seems to lose Tina a bit by comparison, there is was also some noise evident in the break, but not distractingly so. Remember this. We'll hear the mono single and mono LP.
1: When I was a little girl, I had a dragon.
0: Again, in the mono LP. Moving along now to the 66 stereo, the noise that was there in the mono is now hugely prominent, both due to the EQ and mixing of the stereo. On top of this, Tina is very dry in this mix, and really gets lost once the track comes in. We also have the main track being panned centrally, backing vocals left and strings right, but we'll get to this in a second. Of note is the original LP of the stereo mix has a 12.5kHz tone running throughout, which is absent in all subsequent issues and mixes. In the only CD issue of this mix that I mentioned, the 2018 Japanese SHM CD, this has been removed through careful EQ casting, evident in the spectrograph. We'll hear the intro from a raw needle drop of the LP with this tone, then the 2018 by comparison, as we'll be using this as our source for the rest of the episode. So, 66 stereo LP first. Again, in the 2018 CD remastering of this.
1: When I was a little girl, I had
0: a now the 69 stereo sounds much clearer by comparison, though the noise is still evident, and compressed Tina's vocal far more, keeping it consistent in volume through the break, unlike the other mixes where the volume sailed about in a natural way. She's also placed higher in the mix as a result, and the echo has returned, though not as deep as the mono. The backing track is now much more to the left, with the backing vocals and strings towards the right. As for the 1991 mix in the Back to Mono box set, things get interesting. We again get the highly compressed Tina vocal, but this led me to an interesting conclusion. While likely a new mix, as the other two tracks we'll look at today clearly are, a fold of the 69 stereo and this mono mix are incredibly close only truly differentiated by EQ. Otherwise, this mix matches that in every way, short of Tina being even louder. We'll hear both intros from the 69 and then the
1: 91.
0: And again, in the 91 mono.
1: When I was a little girl, I had a breakdown.
0: Well, we covered a lot there with the intro, but generally speaking, the rest of the mix in each follows the same trend, including the aforementioned strings present where we didn't have them earlier. I think the best comparison for this is the final chorus, when things go up to 11 across all the mixes. So we'll hear a chunk in each, first in the 66 mono single presentation the mono LP, the stereo LP, the 69 stereo and the 91 mono. So we'll start with that single version first. and again in the mono LP. (laughs) 66 stereo p 69 Stereo LP and the 1991 Mono. Well, thank God that's over. I love that track, but that's far too much to break down. So we'll move on to the first Ike Turner produced track here, I Idolize You. And thankfully, we move into the three mixes I noted at the beginning. What stands out immediately in the stereo is that the horn in the left channel is far more evident than in the mono, where it's often mixed lower or almost completely absent. Also of note is that in mono, we get backing vocals right away, well almost essentially, while in the stereo mixes these don't enter until the first chorus with the refrain of I idolise you. Tina's vocal also appears to have a slightly more brittle EQ in mono, and more echo applied too. As for the 69, the two stereo mixes are awfully close, including the horn far left, and the backing vocal is about 50% right, with the 1969 having a more brittle EQ overall, even more so than the mono, especially on Tina's vocal, evident across the multiple masterings and the original LPs. What we'll do is we'll hear the first 30 seconds in all three mixes to compare, starting with the mono. <laughs> Again, in the 66 stereo. again in the 69. it makes sense to cover where the backing vocals enter in the stereo mixes. So we'll hear that in mono and then again in the 66 Stereo.
1: Again in the 66 Stereo.
0: Now, the dead giveaway for the two stereo mixes being, you know, different, is the longer fade on the 1969, but curiously, while the 1966 fades, Tina and the band move towards the right, while the horns stay left. Everything stays put in the 1969. The mono and the 1966 stereo have the same fade, so we do not need to highlight these. We'll hear the 1966 stereo, then again with the 1969 from the same point. and again in the 1969. Now we move back to the Spectre mixes now with a love like yours don't come knocking every day. And here we have the same three mixes I mentioned before plus a unique 1991 mono mix from the back to mono box set. Now right off the bat, we get an interesting combination of mixes. As I said, the 1991 mono and the 1969 stereo only have the strings in the intro, while the 1966 mono and stereo also have backing vocals here. We'll hear all four, starting with the 66 mono. And again in the sixty six stereo,
1: I broke your heart, and I made
0: you, and then to the sixty nine stereo. And finally, the 91 Mono. I broke your heart and I made you blue. Now once Tina and the crew kick in, the most apparent difference comes in the vocal treatment. 1966 Mono has this riding high and somewhat dry for a Spectre mix, while the 1991 Mono has a deep echo attached. The 69 stereo boosts it a little more and adds back some of the echo that was missing in the original mono, while the 66 stereo has the loudest vocal and the least compressed, with the every day leaping out of the mix in this mix only. On top of this, the 1991 mono clearly has more echo added to the backing track, as the drums are much deeper than in the 1966 mono, they're also sounding thinner. This is likely just due to the pretty poor EQ job on the box set. The two stereo mixes have the same balance treatment as the other Spectre tracks, with the 1966 placing Tina basically centrally, backing track to the right, backing vocals central and additional overdubs to the left, while the 1969 moves the track to 50% left and boosts it, and the overdubs to further right, and reduces the backing vocals in the mix significantly, but we'll cover more of this in the chorus. We'll hear the whole first verse in every mix, starting with the
1: 1966 model. I broke your heart.
0: Again, the 66 stereo. In stereo the 91 mono. To the chorus, this just goes to emphasize the differences noted previously, but it allows the overdub channel to be noted to a greater extent, and the sheer impact of the balance on offer. Allowing this to also run to the second verse shows the difference the vocal compression, or lack thereof, makes in the 1966 stereo mix, with Tina coming in all shy, then loud, while in all other mixes remaining as strong from the get-go. Again all four in the 66 mono first. Again, the sixty six
1: stereo. It's the little things you do that mean so much, so very
0: sixty nine stereo. 1 mono note is the backing vocal line Consideration just after this which is basically a lead part. The echo treatment of all mixes is fully on show here but there's some interesting things happening around it too. Starting with the 1966 mono, this is well seated in the mix, and relatively dry though still with the echo attached. The 1991 mono is similar in balance but buried in the echo. The 1966 stereo has the ooh backing vocals underneath, warming up, well fading up a little more beforehand, easing it in far more, along with a strong echo mixing it just right, and then the 1969 does something very weird, seemingly hard editing another mix in here for the beats either side of this, moving the backing track closer to centre for this moment, the backing vocals further right, and the hiss completely changing, before editing back to normal for Tina's line. Naturally, we'll move through all three, starting with the mono, specifically the sixty six. So and
1: again in the ninety one mono, so very much.
0: Consideration. I never knew. The
1: sixty
0: six stereo. So
1: very I never knew
0: And the 69 stereo
1: So very much I never knew That is Until In the
0: build to the second chorus, the 1966 stereo mix out of nowhere has a brief harmonica around 1 minute 38 in the mix. We'll hear the two stereo mixes in the 66 first.
3: You my life
0: and again in the 69. You my life and I know, I know. As for the fade, despite the vast amount of mixes, we only get two different lengths. The 91 mono and the 66 stereo match in fade length, while the 69 stereo and the 66 mono also match. We'll start with the 91 mono. 69 stereo. We move back to a double bill of Ike Turner Productions now, which allows us to breathe somewhat, first with a fall in love. Now this track has a fade up and naturally this differs on every mix, with the 66 stereo being the shortest, then the mono, and then much longer in the 69. We'll start with the 66. And again, in the mono. And again in the 69. As for the mixes themselves, things are overall close in balancing, with the stereo mixes being extra close here, even in panning, but the mono seems to place the backing vocals a touch lower in the mix and adds a little echo to the vocal tracks, very evident at 47 seconds in mono on the word once. We'll highlight this moment, then move through the bodies on a later verse once the panned horns enter. We'll hear it first in the 66 stereo, then again in the 66 mono.
1: Cause do wants me to do to
0: cause and again in the 66 mono. and now we'll bring that back up and we'll compare all three bodies, starting with the mono.
1: 66
0: stereo.
1: That's no lie, I'm gonna keep it Satisfied the high come. Tell me one more time Wow, wow,
0: come 69 stereo As for the fades the 66 stereo ends first then the mono and then the 69 but all three are very close overall we'll start with the 66 stereo oh, okay. the mono 69 And up next is the cool make and wait, and once again the mild panning difference is present here with the backing track mildly right in the 1969 and mildly left in the 66, but otherwise the stereo mixes match closely. However the mono not only features an additional tambourine overdub, but has the horns placed extremely low in the mix as we saw earlier. In fact, I'm not sure if they're even there in the first verse, so we'll compare that first in mono and the 66 stereo.
1: He sat me down on his knee. and these are the words he said to me, he said, one of these days. Again, in the 66 stereo. He sat me down on his knee. and these are the words
0: he said to me, he said, one of these
1: days.
0: And then we'll hear the next verse in all three mixes, starting with the mono. You
1: know when true love comes your way, I won't be much better here. 66 stereo. Walk right up and take you by your hand. And you need your ride right straight to the beach of man. So the
0: best thing to do when you reach this age. 69 stereo.
1: I remember what I said. You make the way, and pick your days. Pick your ways, make you make a big mistake time
0: your and as for the fades the mono and stereo match almost exactly but the 69 has a touch more so we'll hear the 66 stereo into the 69. 69. And closing out side one, we're not even halfway there, is Hold On Baby, our next Spectre production. Now the intro provides a curious error in the 66 stereo mix, whereby Tina starts far left and the backing track just right of centre. But after the main track kicks in, these two shift somewhat 50% right, with Tina now central and the backing track 50% right. While the backing vocals enter in the left and stay there, and everything also shifts up in volume. This issue obviously isn't present in the mono, and the 69 keeps everything nice and stable, albeit moving the backing tracks 70% left, backing vocals 70% right. We'll hear that intro in the two stereo mixes, 66 first. And again in the 69. As for the body, things overall are similar outside the vocal balance, whereby both stereo mixes have the vocals, and especially the backing vocals, louder than in the mono, with the 69 having a slightly louder backing track than the 66 stereo, giving a stronger mix of the two. Naturally, we'll start with the mono.
1: 66 stereo they roll our 69 to you know
3: to
0: our Now, during the try to break our hearts sections, the backing vocals are treated to a heavy echo, which is similar between the two 66 mixes, but much stronger in the 69 mix. We'll just hear it in the two stereo mixes, starting with the 66. Try to break our hearts. Try Again in the 69 Try to our Try
1: to our Try to
0: our and at the end the track finishes in all three mixes but the 66 mixes both fade down so the very end is in the far distance while the 69 allows the mix to end naturally at full volume we'll hear the 66 stereo first And again, in the 69 stereo. Flipping over to side two, we kick things off with the Spect production of Save the Last Dance for Me. Again, we get the three usual mixes here, plus the 1991 mono mix. What's interesting is the 1991 mono mix appears to have a different flavour of echo on the main rhythm, evident by the sound of the echo impulse predominantly on the drums, though of course this is on the whole track. However, the 1966 stereo closely follows the suspected placement of backing track right, echo and overdubs mostly left, and vocals centre. This allows us to hear the additional echo track panned left is boosted in the 66 mono, while the 91 mono has a beefier sound to it, but taming it down. The 69 stereo is not only noticeably slower, the recorded speed maybe, but generally swaps and narrows the placement of the left and right channels, and lowers the echo track, essentially like the 91 mono, giving a beefier image as far as the stereo tracks go. Of course, the echo tonality on all four mixes differs too, but not to the extent it did on a love like yours. Or we'll hear the opening and first verse in all mixes, 66 mono first. Again, in the 66 Stereo.
1: If I dance, every dance with the guy who gives me the eye, let him hold me tight. If I smile, every smile for the man who holds my hand, need the peril light.
0: 69 stereo and 61 mono. The end of the track provides a fascinating difference, as the 1991 mono mix appears to have a different ending, both in that it fades, and also an alternate recording, as one cannot hear the track begin to slow down at the end, and Tina's vocal is entirely different from 2 minutes 27. All other mixes have the big ending with louder orchestration and slowdown. We'll hear it in the 66 mono, and then the 91 mono. Oh
1: no,
0: again in the 91 mono. Back to Ike now with, oh baby, things ain't what they used to be. From the start, the mono has, you guessed it, an extra tambourine overdub. The stereo mixes both lack this, while generally matching for the most part, with the 69 having a lead vocal just attached to the right. We'll start with the mono.
1: 66 stereo. Why I reply, look at you and me. Your love is burning like a cloud when a drop starts to fall
0: into the sixty nine. In the second verse from 1 minute 20, the backing vocals are treated to a heavy echo in the stereo mixes, while the mono keeps it a little tamer, while still adding some echo. We'll hear this in the 66 stereo, and then again in the mono. The 66 stereo ends first, then the mono, and just a bit more in the 1969. So we'll start with the stereo. Mono
1: 69.
0: And our last spec production on the LP is Every Day I Have to Cry. So, right off the bat, the intros give us plenty to chew on. The 66 stereo features the right-panned strings placed higher and maybe drier in the mix than in mono. The main backing track is placed just left of centre, giving a more focused image in the 69, which moves this further left. The mix also has a backing vocal line in the second half of the intro, singing the main hook, either added in later or mixed out to 66 mixes. The mix also runs noticeably slower than the others. All three intros, mono first. 66 Stereo Again in the 69 Once we hit the body, the mono has the vocals relatively low in the mix compared with the stereo mixes, with the main backing vocal channel, panned left in the 66 stereo and centrally in the 69, being barely audible, simply lightly supporting. We'll hear this in all three, starting with the mono. Is the
1: 66 stereo. stereo in the break the 1969
0: has the vocal line that we mentioned earlier in the intro present for the first half of this we'll hear this first in the original stereo mix Every day I- again in the 69 stereo. And as for the fades, the 69 stereo ends first, then the mono, and then the 66 stereo, but all three are very close overall. We'll hear the 69 first. Mono,
1: 66.
0: We now move on to the last three tracks on the original 1966 LP, all three of which are produced by Ike Turner. The first of these is such a fool for you, and overall the mono and stereo are very close. With the clarity of the stereo just offering a few elements, such as the overdub horn track, a greater level of perceived volume in stereo. As for the stereo mixes, again, these are close, with the 1966 having a backing track slightly panned to the left, and the horn even further left while it's brought in a hair on the 1969. We'll start with the mono. Ooh. Ooh.
1: Ooh. I know you don't love me, but I'm still hanging on. Into the 66. I love you too much. the
3: 69.
0: At the fade, the mono is the shortest, followed by the 66 stereo, and then the 69, which has an extra 13 seconds, which is pretty substantial. We'll start with the mono.
1: I'm being a fool for you. 66 69
0: Second to last track, or closing track on the 1969 LP is It's Gonna Work Out, and kicking right off, the 1969 has a count in, which is excised from the 66 mixes, so we'll just hear that, and then we'll hear the start in the 66. Again, in the 66. Now moving through, generally the textures are the same, keeping the vocal more mixed in in mono, while it rides out feeling dry in the left channel, despite some centrally panned echo matching the mono, leaving the mono vocal sounding wetter. The two stereo mixes keep the general idea the same, with minor EQ variations, and the backing track being a little to the right, more so in the 1969. We'll move through, starting with the mono. Wow honey that was the plan from the very beginning. 66.
1: Darling. Uh-huh. I that this could be What would you mean? Oh yeah. 69. Your lips set.
0: At 1 minute 30, the vocals give way to a huge echo boost in stereo, matching in both, but the mono keeps things dry here. We'll hear it first in mono, then again in the
3: 66.
0: Again in the 66. It occurs again at 2 minutes 23, but this time, the mono essentially matches to the first go-through, but the stereo returns to drive for the second round, while the mono keeps it wet to the fade. On top of this, the three fades differ, with the 66 stereo being the shortest, the mono being a touch longer, and the 69 going for an additional 20 seconds this time, including Tina essentially flubbing and laughing her lines at the end, in tone with the included counting in my opinion. We'll hear this whole section to fade in the 66 stereo, then the mono, then bring back up the 69 stereo to hear that end. And again, in mono. I
3: keep on telling you. I think it's gonna work out now. And I can feel it's gonna. Really work out. I keep on telling you.
0: into the 69. I it's gonna work it's gonna work, work and closing out the 66 LP is You're So Fine, and thus we only get a mono and 66 stereo mix here. Again, we have a groovy tambourine overdub to the mono mix down here, completely absent in stereo, and Tina's vocals ride out a little higher in stereo. We'll start with the mono. Stereo.
1: You make me walk, you make me draw about you, yeah, and I love you. Baby, you know I love you. I love you, and baby I need you. Uh-on style.
0: To... This track does also have a difference in the backing vocals, which are treated to additional echo in mono only. We'll hear a sample in mono, then again in the dry stereo. You make me bop, you make the job about you. Yeah, and there's nothing in this world. There's... And again in stereo. You make me bop, you
1: make the job.
0: And at the end, it fades down in stereo, while the mono has a kicking drum feel to end out the LP in fine fashion. So, with the end in stereo first.
3: How about you?
0: And again, in mono. Ooh. And with that, we completed our look finally at this wonderful LP from Ike and Tina Turner, River Deep, Mountain High. Of course, today we've looked at the 1966 track list, but the track added to the 1969 LP, single I'll Never Need More Than This, we'll be looking at this Sunday over on Mixology on 45 on the Patreon. So if you want to complete that look, head on over there this Sunday to check it out. That said, I found this absolutely fascinating not least for the vast amount of mixes on offer here but also just the differences on show which were deeper than I was expecting especially on the Spectre tracks where things went wildly different overall which was pretty fascinating I have to say. I'm also glad to just finally get to know this album and I've really enjoyed it picking up my own copy of the 69 stereo and the 66 mono en route, though personally I would say the 66 mono is the one to go for. However, as we noted earlier, the 1969 US mono promo is definitely not a bad shout, as it is all true mono, including a different mono mix of I'll never need more than this, but we'll look into that this Sunday. That said, I've got to say thank you so, so much for listening. A huge thank you again to Andy for helping me with this. And if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash back to mono. You can get in touch at back to mono radio at gmail.com or you can find me over on Instagram at hypnoticfred. You can message me on there if you so desire, but the link to all three of these is down in the show notes below. With all that said and done, I just got to say thank you so, so much for listening. And remember, whoever you are and wherever you are, have a great, great day.